Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Joy. Today we talked with author Jolena Petersheim about her new book, The Alliance, and about uh, her past books with Tyndale, The Midwife, and The Outcast. And Jolena offers a really unique perspective. And we heard a little bit about Jolena's background and how that plays into her writing, and then also how she creates her storylines and what she really wants to get across to the audience. Yeah, you should really check out The Alliance. It's an interesting mix, kind of mix of genres. So if you're interested in fiction and you maybe you haven't, uh, you've shied away from things like Amish or Mennonite fiction, uh, this is this is unique. So you go check it out. Go, go to her website, jolinapetersheim.com or at tyndale.com just to learn more about it. So would you mind just sharing a little bit about your background and how you became a writer? Sure. I grew up in a conservative Mennonite family, but weren't typical Mennonites. We moved from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I was born when I was three, and we moved to Tennessee area. My dad loved songwriting, and he also felt God was calling us to Tennessee, so it was a perfect fit, and we just... My parents worked really hard just to kind of get us established. And throughout that all, my mom always read to me, and my teachers just poured into me, and I fell in love with the written word and decided to be a writer at a young age. I think Anna Green Gable's series really was very influential. <laughs> it's for a lot of girls. And I just started writing, probably wrote my first novel when I was about sixth grade, but nobody will ever see that as the next four or five came out of that. I started writing The Outcast, my debut when I came back from England, I was over there with my best friend and another friend who were kind of backpacking for a little bit. And this tall gentleman on a bus in the London or the, in the London Underground and in a bus, he told me he was connected with a woman we were staying with. And he kind of spoke to my life and said that I would give up the novel I was currently working on and begin to work on another one. And this one would be divinely inspired. And he was a stranger, so I didn't take his words too much to heart. But when I came home, I felt like that was the novel I was supposed to be working on. So I put the other one in the drawer, and The Outcast just was written within six months. It was just an intense, beautiful time. I was expecting my little girl as I wrote, and my husband's like, just go for it. And so I just sat and wrote for about eight hours a day, five days a week. And my agent read the first 25,000 words, and we met at a random book event. And he asked me to send the first 25,000 words, so I did. And he said he wanted the novel. So that's how I got an agent, too. It was just, God definitely helped me every step of the way. It, it was incredible. Mm. It's a beautiful thing to hear when dreams come true. So many of us, when we're children, have aspirations that, you know, they may be molded into careers or, um, you know, decades of our lives later. But to say, I want to be a writer, and then to actually become one is fantastic. Thank you. Yes, I love it. It's definitely been a dream come true for me. Mm -hmm. So your first book was The Outcast, and then you had The Midwife that came out later, and then now The Alliance. And all three books kind of uh, have this theme of the, this closed-off Mennonite uh, community or family interacting with kind of the outside world. Uh, you, you, visit, you visit that idea in each of those novels. Um, why do you think you keep returning to that idea, that idea. It's so interesting that you'd ask that. I never thought I'd write about the Mennonite culture. I 
don't really gravitate toward Amish fiction or bonnet fiction as a reader, and I read very, very graciously. But I, when this story with the outcast was kind of told to me, and it was a nonfiction true story, and I decided to turn it into fiction, and then from that, this whole world kind of opened up. And The Midwife is a story about a mother who has everything to save a child who's not genetically hers. And I imagined her in this kind of cloistered open house, which is a, a home for unwed mothers, hiding there and hiding her secrets after having given a child up um, who she had saved. And then with The Alliance, that was kind of a personal journey of mine as well. Just having been raised in an apocalyptically minded family, I wondered, like, what would happen if society broke down? I knew my dad was would adhere to his pacifist beliefs and by not taking up arms to defend us, and he would trust God to defend us. And I wondered what that would look like if survivalism means taking up arms to defend yourself, as shown in the trailer, and yet you don't do that. Like You really just have to completely surrender and trust God to protect you and your family. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, Jelena, you were raised with a Mennonite background. Is that something your family practices now? And you relocated, correct, from Tennessee? We went from Tennessee to Wisconsin, and now we're back in Tennessee. So, yes, we we relocated. It's definitely a journey for us. But glad we had that experience in Wisconsin, but we desperately miss family. At this stage of life with two little ones, it's they're definitely needed. But I didn't – we never were – raised Mennonite in the fact that we just were Christians. We didn't like go to a Mennonite church. My parents did before we moved to Tennessee from Pennsylvania. But when we moved here, the Mennonites, the New Order Mennonite churches weren't as prevalent as they were in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And so we just went to a different church. But we always stayed very close with a community in Kentucky. They were Old Order Mennonites. And my family just, I guess, really adheres to the simple living aspects, like growing, doing gardens in Wisconsin, we had a big garden and a farm and a lot of acreage, and that's what we want to do here now. And working together as a family, tackling big projects. Just yesterday, my husband and his father and brother, brother-in-law, they all worked together, like pouring a big cement slab that's like 600 yards long for my um, husband's warehouse. So that's kind of like I told my sister-in-law, it's like a barn raising. <laughs> yes. So we adhere to those kind of ideas and kind of independent thinking and entrepreneurship, but just, yeah, mainly Christian-based and just, yeah, loving the Lord. Now, mm -hmm. uh, when I first heard about the this uh, the Alliance, it was probably last fall, and I immediately wanted to read it because I've read a lot of kind of apocalyptic or science fiction or dystopian fiction in, in my days uh, that's kind of an area that I read a lot of. Um, but this is pretty unique because of the, the setting. Um, can Just for our listeners, can you kind of tell a little bit about the plot of the book without giving away any spoilers? <laughs> I imagined when this story first kind of came about, my husband and I went to visit a community in Montana, and they were kind of a hybrid between the Amish and the Mennonites, and they had this big community all built out of logs in the valley of a Montana, like right next to the mountains. And everything was built out of log, which is kind of unusual because most Mennonite communities are farming related. And this was log cabin related. Like they used their their cabins as replicas that they could show and be sold and all of that. So we saw this community. I saw the dry goods store at the end of the lane, the highway running past it. And I imagined this yellow plane crashing into the field out front and you know the mountains overhead and all of this just collision, just a cataclysmic event. 
and I knew an EMP just because, you know, we kind of <laughs> knew all about the EMP and Y2K and all of that growing up. <laughs> and so I imagine this EMP going off and settling civilization back hundreds of years in seconds. And I thought, you know, how does this community survive? Initially, they would be fine. They are really self-reliant. They have food. They have the dry goods store. And yet people will also know that they have the knowledge that would be um, alluring, attractive to the Englishers. They have the knowledge of self-sufficiency and they have the food, so they would want to come to them as well. And then you have the crisis of belief, like do they take up arms to defend themselves, to, de to defend what they have, or do they trust God to protect them and to provide for them and their families? So this, yes, and when the plane crashes, the yellow plane, that is uh, Moses Hughes, he's a hardened military pilot, and when he crashes there, Leora and some other, other loggers on the property they rescue him, take him out of the plane. He has minor injuries, and he, because of his military background, he understands what's taking place when all the electricity is shut down and his plane crashes, and he tells them, look, you need to get prepared. They're going to come for your food. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it kind of took off from there. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you, in the book, you do a great job of developing the characters, so it, it focuses a little bit less on the destruction of the world, but more on the internal dialogue and conflict that each of the characters have. Um, why did you choose to do it that way versus a little bit more like the typical apocalyptic novel? I believe because I wanted to explore just the crisis of belief and how our beliefs are tested. Kind of it's an internal warring inside of us and I believe all of us as Christians and even non-believers have experienced some kind of crisis of belief when we're faced with a cataclysmic event, whether it's a health crisis or, you know, the crisis of the world right now and just so much upheaval and economic crisis. And it's just like, wow, how do you go on? Like, where's God in the midst of this crisis? And so I kind of wanted to explore that through the two different perspectives of a pacifist and a soldier. And the pacifist, of course, is Leora Ebersole, and the soldier is Moses Hughes, and just kind of take their two different viewpoints and I love first-person perspective because I feel it really allows you to get to know the characters at an intimate level and just kind of look at their thoughts and all of that as they're kind of facing this catalytic event from two different belief systems. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm curious, um, was this like this, the, the idea of a, an event like an EMP or something, is that something that you've thought about a lot in your life or is this like something that you just came up with for the for the book? I haven't thought about it too much. I know when I was 14, that was when Y2K happened, and my dad had a lot of food stored up in the basement. I remember them going to the grocery stores and putting up canned goods, and we had rice and flour and all of that stored in the basement. And my husband actually works with, um, they call them preppers, people who store up food, mm -hmm. just with his, um, he's like a food storage business. And so he works a lot with them, and yet I think we both have come to the place where we just have to trust God. Like, you can't do everything. We've got two little girls, and of course, as parents, we want to protect them as much as possible. And yet, the real truth is that we can't protect them, only God can. And that doesn't mean we won't experience pain. That doesn't mean, you know, bad things won't happen, but we can always trust the will of the Father for us. Mm -hmm. Makes me kind of rethink things. Uh, we're in the suburbs here that's kind of densely populated, and we have a, a target nearby, and that's about it. So. I'll yeah. Maybe I should start storing up some, some yeah. yeah, it's true. 
Um, Jolina, what would you say are some of the the more biblical themes in the book? Now, of course, it's fiction, so it's not like an expository teaching book, but um, I'm sure the characters learn along the way and see the hand of God. What would what would some of those themes be? Well, really overcoming fear with faith and just trusting that God is good regardless of what we're faced with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was just really the largest one for me. And Leora Eversole in the story, she really struggles with wanting to control her family and control her environment because so much around her has crumbled already. And she's kind of stuffed her emotions, stuffed everything, just because she's already in survival mode when the EMP happens. So the EMP, whereas it would usually put everybody else in survival mode, it causes all these internalized emotions to come to the surface and she has to deal with them right then and the story kind of takes place within about two and a half weeks and so all of this is just right in her face very quickly and Moses kind of helps her sort through it he's got his own pain his own background and guilt that he struggles with and so together their paths actually can kind of conjoin even though they're so different and they kind of help each other um, see the heart of the father and just learn that yeah he's a good father just like Chris Tomlin's song says and yes. um, and just yeah love him and trust him and overcome fear with faith yeah that's it that's a really important theme I think for all of us like you were saying it doesn't have to be something major I mean we all have something that we fear or things that we continually fear that we need to work through and um, I was listening to a sermon the other day about how fear and pride are really two roots of sin. You know, when, when we're fearful, we do things that we wouldn't otherwise when we're in our, our right minds and believing in the Lord. So um, one of my favorite things about fiction is that you can make up stories to illustrate these principles. And sometimes it's a lot easier to emotionally develop them and explore them when they're in the lives of another character versus oh like kind of like a self-help type book um, where you're really examining your own heart so it's a great great form to do it in um, I'm gonna throw you a curveball here um, we have a lot of listeners who are aspiring authors um, especially on the, the fiction side as somebody who is young younger than me at least uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you're a mother how do you balance and find time to uh, write as um, I'm sure it was an aspiring thing at first and then it becoming more of a career how, how do you um, how do you approach the process of writing it's definitely morphed since I first started with the outcast I was just expecting my firstborn daughter who's now four and so I had, you know, as I said before, you know, five days a week, eight hours a day, I would just work and be completely absorbed in the story. And with the midwife and the alliance, I just have to kind of morph my, my schedule around the children and what their needs are. And I am a stay-at-home mom, and they're little, but I get a babysitter on Tuesdays, and she watches the girls, and so I pull like a double-duty shift. And I also work in the afternoon and in the morning. So just, you know, find time. I've always heard that you'll find time for whatever you really want to find time for. And I know some mothers who are stay-at-home moms and they, you know, they, they sew like gorgeous garments, all artesian crafted, and they sell them online. Well, this just happens to be my avenue, my creative outlet. And I think regardless of 
if you're an artist or an engineer, like you need to find time for what you love. And this is what I love. I love language. I love kind of picking people apart in my mind and I do it with characters rather than picking my relatives crazy. Um, <laughs> I just, I love to explore and to understand things and to understand um, God's heart for us and for me. And so I just do it through my characters and it's not always easy. I'll grant you that, but it is definitely rewarding and I'm so glad I get to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, when you s set out to write a new story, do you start with the characters first or the general story or do you pick themes and then go from there? Do you have a specific way that you do it or is it different every time? It's a little bit different. I usually know where the story is going to end up or at least like a large image in my mind. Like with the outcast, I kind of knew about the genetic issue with the twins and just you'll have to read the story to kind of know but there's a, a big kind of twist there and the midwife I just ex I read a story about Mary Beth um, Whitehead who gave her child up for adoption and the parents were like fighting over it and this whole thing so that was the, the gist of the midwife I just kind of explored that from a fictional perspective and with the alliance I have just for a long time just thought about the concept of how the Mennonites and Amish would try to survive in after a cataclysmic event and so that was the main idea and then once we visited the, Men the Montana community in, um, with the Mennonites that just kind of all came together with me once I could see the actual setting I was like wow this is it this is where the plane is going to crash so then it just kind of came to life for me there and Katherine Olson my editor she's fantastic as far as pulling out the themes sometimes they need to be strengthened and she'll just be like hey what are you really saying here why don't you explore that a little further and so I love that collaborative effort coming together and just really pulling it out and making the story stronger. Mm -hmm. Now, Jolina, you're also writing a sequel to The Alliance um, called The Divide. It's coming out in spring 2017. And um, can you tell us a little bit about that and why you chose to write a sequel? Because the other two books you've written have been standalones. Yes. Well, again, it kind of came down. I'm a very visual writer, and so I can just picture these moments. And so in the, the beginning, I imagined this big, fiery plane crash, and then the end, I imagined another fire taking place. And I don't want to do any spoiler alerts, but I just imagined this conversation and this embrace and the fire and, like, all of this happening. And I knew that it had to be the ending of that story, and yet I knew it wasn't the end. And so then I imagined I wanted a really stark break and a new transition. And this, the alliance takes place in two and a half weeks. And I imagine the divide taking place like six months later. Because with the alliance, it kind of is just right after the EMP happens. Everything's breaking down. Society's crumbling. And yet it's not completely just decimated. Well, with the divide, we pick up in the middle of winter. You know, a lot of people are hungry. They're, the desperate times have kind of increased. Everything's a little bit more intense. And I wanted to pick it up there and just the shift from summer to winter and all of that entails. And it's been really fun. It's been challenging to kind of explore the themes again. And yet it's interesting. I always love how the story kind of takes on a life of its own and just kind of becomes this organic exploration of my own spiritual journey. And it's been fun. Yeah, I've loved it. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to share. Awesome. Yeah, I, I will confess I don't read many Tyndale fiction books because they're not typically written uh, towards a male audience, but <laughs> when, I, when I first uh, heard about this book, I immediately wanted to read it, and I started reading it, and like it, it goes right into the action right away, so if, I don't know anyone who would um, 
start reading this that wouldn't want to keep going. So I encourage everyone to at least go and read the first chapter. I, I guarantee you'll want to uh, keep reading it. Mm -hmm. My husband, he um, is very survivalist mentality. Just, you know, he's a real man's man, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And he helped me with a lot of the action scenes as far as like how the guns would work and how the fire would take place. So you'll, I'll have to pass on the compliment to him as well. <laughs> yes, please do. And Julina, if we um, would advise our listeners that they want to read more about you or stay up to date on your blog or how the divide is coming along, where might they go? JolinaPetersheim.com is a great way you can interact. I post every week on my blog and also Facebook. I have a Jolina Petersheim author page where I love interacting with readers. I usually post every day and we just have fun getting to know each other. And I just try to put like a positive outlook out there and just encourage people and whatever they're struggling with to kind of come together and a real sense of community with my readership. And I love it so much. It's very encouraging as I am a stay-at-home mom and an extrovert if you haven't found that out already. <laughs> <laughs> so we just have fun over there. And I'm also on Twitter and Pinterest, but probably Facebook and my, my personal website are the best places you can interact with me. Okay. Awesome. Well, everyone should go out and uh, buy the book and buy all your your other books too, and they can uh, find them wherever books are sold or go to Tyndale.com and find them. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today, and uh, we're looking forward to the next book. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Adam and Joy. I appreciate it so much. Oh, yeah, and enjoy um, the rest of your writing for The Divide. Good luck. We know we both read your blog um, today just to prepare, and looks like you have a deadline coming up in September. <laughs> yes, but it's going well, so we're all good. <laughs> okay, that's so good. We we admire our authors very much. Yes. So, yeah. I admire you as well. Couldn't do it without you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Selena.